CoinRobe Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinRobe Plus at CoinRobePlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the CoinRobe Podcast with your host, Jeff Stark. And as I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Coin World Podcast. I'm Jeff Stark. And I'm still Larry Jewett. I don't know why, but I am. So I'm here. Uh, hey, present and accounted for. Sometimes uh, half the battle is just showing up for the fight every day, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, there are things worth showing up for. And we're glad that you, the listener, continues to show up on a weekly basis, too, because we definitely do appreciate all of the uh, support that we get for the Coin World podcast, the award-winning Coin World podcast. Thank you to the NLG. And, uh, you know, just uh, the idea that uh, we, we've actually had some folks, and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we've all had some folks interested. Uh, our friend Steve Davis has uh, been supporting us with Numismatic Auctions, LLC and some of the other businesses that have come along to support us. And we may have some more coming down the road here. So it's great to have the more the merrier, as we say. And, you know, the ideas that we're getting for guests and and uh, we're going to have some very special episodes coming up here. And we certainly hope that you're having as much enthusiasm about your numismatic journey as we're having the enthusiasm for making sure that we provide you with the greatest information we can here on the coin world podcast. So this, this is going to be great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're, you know, the, we don't have a guest this show. We're just going to uh, get caught up on a couple uh, topics, explore some thoughts and delve into the numismatic history side of things. But uh, it's a, it's what an interesting time. Uh, the markets have been, so active the last few weeks because of uh, the broader economic news. I guess it's more financial news, not economic, because uh, you know e economy is more than banking stuff. Um, it's it's the financial side of things with uh, the the SVB and Signature Bank and Credit Suisse. There's been uh, a lot of movement to uh, to get bullion. Uh, we're seeing premiums pop a little bit. Um, in some cases, more than a little bit, we're seeing uh, stuff that maybe was available uh, two weeks, three weeks ago is now uh, there's a, there's a timetable for when uh, things can be back in hand because there's so much uh, demand for uh, a live product in the way of precious metals. A, a good dealer doesn't care whether they're buying or selling. They're making their little cut no matter what. Right. 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 Um, but there's plenty of action on both sides of the table, uh, as it were, uh, certainly more so on the demand side. And that's what's uh, pushing these prices up, though. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting here. And I mean, it becomes a learning experience for some that uh, may not as be. It, it's an opportunity to learn a little bit about what's happening. When I first heard about the closing of the bank out in California, it was kind of like, what what's that going to do for us? What's going what going to be happening here? And then just kind of it got me a little more interested in the financial news, the financial side of things, and looking back to the bank collapse of two thousand eight. Now I you know I didn't run right out, and I mean I, I think about it's a wonderful life. 
and think about in that movie when they had the run on the bank right there. And it's just like, well, you know, times are different and we're a little better shape here. And how was the government going to handle that? So it just made it kind of interesting from the sidelines. I, I was not, you know, nearly as involved as some people were, but it's just been kind of interesting to see the chain of events and the impact that it's had on financial markets and on precious metals and, and that type of stuff. So it's just been it's been great to to be learning, you know, from a comfortable place, I guess, is is how to put it right there. But, uh, you know, it's still it's an ongoing situation. So, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I'm I'm delighted to see my meager silver holdings <laughs> uh, popping just a little bit uh, in, in recent weeks. And I'm hoping uh, not not hoping for uh, negative financial news to continue or or negative economic news to develop. But I sure would love to see price support for silver in that twenty five to thirty dollar range, um, which seems to be you know, that's when I got. <laughs> several several pieces and it's like dang it <laughs> you know of course if you're dollar cost averaging if you're you're buying a little bit at a time when you can it's um it all you know works out in the end if you get some at 15 you get some at 25 and it settles in at 22 you're still ahead on the average side of things but you know it's curious to see when we look back in time that uh, you know this is not this is not new, you know. Times of bubbles and troubles are um, uh, the the tales as old as time, almost. And I think that uh, aligns well or dovetails well with um, this week in numismatic history. That's one reason we're talking about this. The timing was just too perfect. Um, we're going back to 1720, so 303 years ago. March 24th, what happened March 24th, 1720? Well, that was when the bursting of the Mississippi bubble threw Parisian banks into a financial crisis. So for those who aren't familiar, have not heard, the Mississippi bubble was a time of speculation. It was, there was a crisis uh, because the French government sold trading rights to John Laws. I, I think that's how you pronounce it, Laws. It's it's spelled law, but I think it's pronounced Laws. Anyway, um, it, the law. this guy was a <laughs> rather colorful uh, character, convicted of murder in London, but uh, with some friends' help, he escaped to the continent and he became a millionaire through gambling. Well, he, he set up this uh, organization, this business to uh, deal with trade rights in the French colonies and sold stock in this. It, it was really a, a paper money uh, game, if you will. And um, the the government bought stock and other other people bought stock and the the bubble, got so great that what was initially like, um, you know, 10,000 livers, I think it went up to 15,000 livers, um, the the value of a, of a share, I guess it was. And the bubble burst, though, <laughs> uh, when there wasn't enough silver backing the deposits. Does that does that sound familiar? 
uh, and and all of a sudden the the value of those shares plummeted and wiped out a whole bunch of people. It's a very fascinating economic lesson and history lesson. This uh, private Banque Generale um, that he later renamed the Banque Royale, and the this then led to the Mississippi Company. You have at the same time it sort of coincided with the South Sea Bubble, which the South Seas Company. Uh, I've written about this years ago. There are coins from Great Britain that were minted with silver directly related to the South Seas Company, and they have SSC on them in the design to distinguish them. So that's an artifact of, of numismatic and economic history and really a, a really fun piece. I don't have that. I have a, a Lima um, shilling or fractional uh, from the shipwreck. But South Seas Company coins are, are fun because of that. Again, the lens through which you can view economic and, and broader history so John Laws, Laws, however you say it, um, this crisis led to, um, there were a series of medals issued that criticize and uh, satirize this event. And uh, these are very collectible. These are very, uh, again, very I would say fun. It's easy to say fun 303 years later because, you know, we weren't affected by the the very brutal reality of, of having, um, you know, life savings and all that wiped out. But it, it's it's fun to look back and see that these are direct numismatic objects that relate to this larger story. And, it you know, maybe you find a lesson in that for today. Um, I'm I, I will say that personally, I'm not I'm not representing Coin World in that sense. Um, I think people that promote uh, you got to buy gold, you got to buy silver, you got to you know the the protect your wealth, this and that. There's a there's a a whole bunch of fear being sold, and I think it's wise to have precious metals as part of a balanced portfolio. Uh, maybe that's. 10%. I, that's what it works for me personally. Um, and that's what I've seen uh, people that are a lot smarter than me say. Um, but you can have a whole lot of fun with that, whether that's all these limited mintage one ounce silver coins from around the world, whether that's fractional gold, whether that's uh, junk silver. I, I picked up some junk silver when I was in Munich because it was priced right. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can turn my euros into Washington quarters and, and Kennedy halves with, with 90% silver. Um, you know, why not and throw, throw them in one of the safes? I mean, it's, it's, um, and, and the, the tangible feeling that, and that, that connection of this, this was money back in the day and it's, it still has that inherent value. Uh, I appreciate that. There's, there's meaning to that. Um, but again, I just think, you know, there's, there's a, a better way to, um, promote the sale of it than through fear, but maybe, maybe not because, uh, everyone uses that or a lot of people use that in, um, marketing. And if, if, 
if a better way existed, maybe that would be the the tack that people, uh, you know, would would become more prevalent. Say, but that that's just my my ramblings. Uh, you know, precious metals are great. Uh, they're they're real. They're tangible. Um, uh, certainly better than some paper that um, could become worthless thanks to John Laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, even though it has been, you know, 300 plus years, it's just the idea that, you know, this is something historic. And we, we always learn from history. And it's just like you talk about fear, though. I mean, chicken littles, the sky is falling type thing. Fear is never really a good thing to me. But I mean, it's just the idea that we have to be careful. We always have to be smart. And that's uh, that, that's where education and the, the amount of misinformation that's available is uh, sometimes such the deterrent that, uh, you know, it's just the idea that you just need to, as a consumer, no matter what you're talking about here, it's incumbent upon you to learn as much as you can. If you're going to be the guardian of wealth and you're trying to invest and create a future, then you need to uh, be the responsible party to learn as much as you can to keep everything where it needs to be so that you have the greatest chance of success. You can hear all kinds of theories and all kinds of uh ideas but it's up to you ultimately to make that decision so hey that's i i think i heard it from you maybe i i don't know but you know plan your work work your plan you know uh, not me i'm not that smart well so. okay but the idea is you know whatever you settle on whatever you and hey there's folks maybe there's folks listening to this that they're all in they're 100 percent in precious metals great uh you know fine if it works for you cool um you know one of the things that, you know, it, it, precious metals are certainly a lot more liquid than a lot of stuff I own. I mean, I was looking at my library earlier today going, what in the world? Who, you know, who's going to deal with this after I'm gone? You know, who's going to want this book on Dutch overseas territories coins? You know, but but it works for me. I, I enjoy it and uh, value it and learn from it and occasionally use it uh, as I'm contemplating uh, uh, writing something. It's, uh, you know, whatever you do, you have a strategy, map it out. Um, and, and I know it's easy to sit in the chair here and say that it's much harder to do, uh, especially when there's, you know, so many ooh shiny objects and, and paper for that matter. I mean, classic paper money, there's some cool stuff out there and, uh, you know, I just wrote about a French banknote that I, I just the the scenes were sort of dissonant the 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 face of the note and the back of the note, uh, but I was really intrigued by it. I saw it at a local shop, so I said, you know what, I'm going to write about that. That's that's pretty. That's fun, and pretty is okay. You know, pretty is a, a, a perfectly fine reason to collect something, um, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe. I need to, instead of throwing these pieces in a box, I need to get them in an album and alphabetized or Lord knows there's there's organizational work to be done in any event. 
Yeah, well, that's the old classic saying. It's not what you got. It's what you do with what you got. And, you know, the the idea that if you take a look at it and if you like your books, like the, the some of the, the coins that I've purchased for next to nothing that have no possibility or very slim possibility of ever amounting to anything. But I just a lot of times as a quirky collector, I just buy things because they're neat. I like it. I, I'm glad that I have it. And that's it. I mean, as you, you were talking about what's going to happen to it. After we're gone, and of course, that's something you need to think about if you're looking at, you know, the future generations. But I'm kind of living in the now when I buy a lot of the things that I like the looks of. I mean, it's just the idea that I want it. I got it. That's the end of the story right there. And it's just maybe you can argue that that's too much of a consumerist type of view. But the idea is there is some joy there. And even if it is not put in an album, not alphabetized or anything like that. I can reach into one of the drawers and pull out some things and go, huh. But the bad thing about that is sometimes I don't realize what I have and I end up with two of them. <laughs> so that's just another one of the dangers right there. There are dangers inherent in anything you do. You know, it could be the, the books that you have, somebody could steal them. You know, the, the coins that you have, somebody could steal them. It was heartbreaking to go to the bank a couple of weeks ago and see an older couple sitting at the desk there talking about the coins that they'd purchased to pass down to the next generation, only to find out that an individual of ill repute, shall we say, managed to make their way into their home and take all those away. And it's just like I heard the story the other day about, you know, somebody who had a number of Morgan dollars that they really were building up toward a collection. Then one day came home from church and those dollars were no longer there. Mm. So we're only caretakers of these it, items as it is. It, so. and, it, and it as uh, another sort of uh, tale in that same vein, uh, I was at a local shop over the weekend and a guy was in there and he showed fake Morgan dollars that he bought. Oh, I bought 12 of them or 20 of them. I can't remember the number. It was, it was a, you know, it wasn't just one or two. And, uh, you know, the, the prevalence of this stuff out there is, um, is, is a problem. And, you know, there's, there's, thank goodness there are some, some organizations fighting this um, on behalf of the hobby, but boy, is it, um, does it sting to be on the other side you know, I, the amount of people that are trustworthy in situations like that, uh, it, it disheartens me uh, a little bit just because, you know, you know, going into no offense to somebody selling a, a car, but, you know, you know, when you go to a car dealership there, there might you, you might expect certain sales tactics and pressure and other situations to unfold. Uh, you know, you have to be alert to it just so you can be prepared to hey you know this is you know you've done your research you figure out what you're going to do and and what you can afford and all that why do people not treat this other you know it, it's a financial transaction you know you need to be alert to the pitfalls that await you and um you know, I, I know for me, uh, I mean, the times when I've been burned, it's been greed. It's you think, oh, I got a really good deal. Uh, you know, it's the it's the twenty dollar coin I'm buying for five. 
at the flea market and you get home and you go, oh no, crap, that's a fake. And it, well, you know, hey, the fake costs 10. So I'm, I'm, you know, five bucks is half of that. But, you know, I've seen it in a, in a local, uh, a local dealer offering. I go, that's, that's a replica thing that, you know, came from Alibaba or Wish or whatever. And, and, you know, uh, you just, you always have to be careful. In fact, that's, uh, that's one of the lessons from this week in coin world history. Uh, wasn't on the front page of this issue, but we're, we're looking at, uh, March 23rd, 1998, uh, random number generator. No, no reason other than that. But I thought it was interesting that on, uh, page three, they have a, very small story, but it's mostly the the photo of an extremely deceptive counterfeit 1942 over one uh, 10 cent coin may fool collectors and dealers, the ANA warns. So this was um, uh, news that was shared, uh, photos from the American Numismatic Association Authentication Bureau, I believe. Um, I guess I didn't realize that was still going on. Maybe, maybe that was Annex. I, I thought there they were there was a relationship there, but Annex was sold to the Amos family, which is the parent company of Coin World, and of course, of course, the Coin World podcast. And and Annex was sold 10, 15 years ago uh, to private individuals. So I mean, there's no relationship now. Uh, but I guess the ANA had an authentication bureau, maybe after that sale. In any event. Um, to me, it, it was a good reminder of how, um, you know, this is still, you know, this is a, a common theme of thefts, counterfeits, uh, and, and fakes and, and, um, you know, potential pitfalls that are out there. We, uh, we try to highlight those, not, not to scare people off, but to, you know, arm, arm them for, uh, action in in a positive manner, um, and so this this was interesting. It actually teased a story that was uh, later in the issue that that really delves into it. But to me, that was that was what jumped out. Otherwise, the the it's not a big thing, but it's a reminder. Uh, the story below that says two Coin World readers win ANA scholarships. Both will make first trip to summer conference in Colorado Springs. So that refers to, of course, the summer seminar, which in 1998 was at least still called the summer conference. Um, there are several organizations that offer scholarships to the summer seminar. And I know at, at a local level, the Missouri Numismatic Society does, does one I, local, that's statewide. Um, and they only had one participant this year that that's uh, entered and and won a scholarship. So if if your organization, I I don't know if Central State still does. There's there's certainly a lot of young numismatist activities, whether that's uh, the Witter Coin Universe or the um, University or the the thing that I think Stax Bowers has just popped up with a, a similar type thing. There are so many opportunities out there. Uh, just a reminder to take advantage of them because, uh, you know, there, there's so many, as I, I talked to a, a dealer last week for an article, said there's so many good, honest people in this business. Uh, there are so many giving people in this business. 
and uh, they want to see other people have fun and succeed. So if you're if you have a week in June available vacation and it's not too late to uh, enter uh, the contest or or you know make make the um, request. Uh, certainly, you can plan ahead for next year. There, there are some opportunities out there. Avail yourself. Um, I, I wish. I mean, I've never been to summer seminar, and that was, uh, I think, a disadvantage for for me personally and professionally is is not having attended and enjoyed that camaraderie and education. So, just a plug for that. That's uh, enough of the uh, stark soapbox. Yeah, we got a lot of that this time, didn't we here? But, uh, you know, a lot of folks utilized the letter pages, especially back in 1998, where they had a chance to have their viewpoints heard. And uh, the particular topics we're looking at from the March 23rd, 1998 issue have to deal with the dollar coin. Had a couple of letters in reference there. The one says, use Sacagawea. Sacagawea is the best suggestion I have seen for the new dollar coin. Lewis and Clark would not have made it without her. The United States could be very different without Lewis and Clark. This very important incident in our history would be taught all over again to the nation's children, which could spark new interest and new collectors. When we have a new coin, I feel it should be new and not use an old design. But it should not be some modern design. It should go back and be traditional, but be something we've not used in the past. And that was from Frank Palante of Westville, New Jersey, providing that information for us right there. But then there's another letter that's uh, much along the same lines right there. And that one just says the headline was Pocahontas with a question mark. In reading some of the comments offered for putting a woman on the new $1 coin, it occurred to me, why not Pocahontas? She's representative of the original modern age inhabitants of America and evidently a tolerant and understanding individual as she intermarried with one of the original white visitors of this country, Mr. John Rolfe. The reverse side of this coin could be additionally representative of the country by featuring a native animal such as a raccoon or a red fox or a bird flying American eagle was just used on the obverse of the 1856 to 1858 small sense. The flying eagle, of course. Of course, the standard legends would continue to be used, e pluribus unum, in God we trust, United States of America, etc. Although the current recently approved coin act specifies a $1 coin, I believe some consideration should be directed toward producing a new 50-cent coin. I'm not in favor of the 25-cent coin proposal, I feel with so many different coins of the same denomination, there would be excessive confusion on the part of consumers. And that was from G.R. Cruz of Sykeston, Missouri. So I got your uh, home state in there. So home that's... of the throat rolls. <laughs> yes, indeed. So a couple of uh, interesting viewpoints on there as the uh, that reflecting the period of the time when the Susan B. Anthony was starting to fade from the from the idea and of course Sacagawea coming out with the different color and uh making the world think that they had gold coins and they weren't gold so i that's um you know hindsight 2020 and all that it's it's fascinating to see that there was uh Pocahontas instead of Sacagawea i i rather like the Sacagawea design and um 
that was seeing that coin released was one of the um you know i won't say seminal moments in my early formative numismatic years but i certainly remember getting that in circulation working at walgreens in high school at our college at the time and um you know it, it's a it's the redheaded stepchild if you will of of the modern series uh maybe only the only other candidate for that would be the Kennedy half that's still issued in small numbers, but you know, aside from the last you know, couple of years, has not circulated too much, uh, you know, to any degree. But um, <clears throat> very good. We we know what happened with that. So um, those those writers, uh, one of them at least, hopefully, was happy with how things developed. Now. The uh, the answer to the question of who who was chosen for the dollar coin is apparent today. What may not be apparent is the answer to the question from last week's episode. We were talking about VAM coins, that's Van Allen and Malice, uh, Morgan dollars and peace dollar varieties with John Roberts. So I wanted to know about a particular VAM, and I ask you, do you know what interesting name was given to a variety on an 1888 Morgan dollar from the New Orleans Mint? Do you have any idea what this is? And, and maybe you can explain why that name was given to this variety. Well, I mean, it's always we were taught never to ask a yes or no question. And so you ask the question, do you know? And the answer to that is no. So I answered your question. I just didn't answer the question of the context that you offered up here. So I'm going to be enlightened when you provide me with the answer, which I, by the way, I just looked up on Google and I have the answer, but that's cheating. So <laughs> you have to go ahead and tell me about it. You you need to get, and I, I have um, here in my office, the top 100 Vam's book. I'm I'm certain this is in there. This is the so-called Hot Lips variety. Now, this coin was not featured on the television show Mash. It's called Hot Lips because the double striking um, doubles up Miss Liberty's lips, nose, and chin. And uh, of course, that nomenclature is evocative of the error and. Uh, certainly to those folks of a certain age might recall one, uh, I think, Margaret Houlihan. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> and, and in any event, I I um, I thought, OK, that's kind of fun. That's that's a little um, little different. Maybe uh, some folks listening have never heard of a hot lips Morgan dollar. Uh, there are lots of uh, variety, fun names out there. Booby head for. Uh, copper cents. There's um, the Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny, on, yeah. On the Franklin half. I mean, one could create a type collection, if you will, of, of just interesting varieties by name across various U.S. coin series. So that was that was the answer. Now you know. And I'm, you know, because we're talking about, uh, we talked about the uh, Mississippi bubble. I wanted to go back to French paper money history. 
Mm. which predates uh, the Mississippi bubble by a few decades or so. Okay. There's a term for certain paper money that was used in France during the French Revolution. What is that paper money called? And you don't have to pronounce it correctly. I don't know French. Partible Francais, that's about it. Um so I, you can even spell it out to me after you say what how you think it's pronounced. I don't care about that. Uh, that is the question for this week. We're going to uh, give you, uh, the listener, time to ponder that. And uh, you, Larry, can uh, stand in for the listener as well. And uh, we'll have the answer with the next episode. I'm going to be kind of lurking on the paper money forum, see if anybody puts that out there to get some answers from some of the folks there. Check with the SPMC, the Society of Paper Money Collectors. A lot of different ways we can go with that one just to kind of see if uh, that answer is out there and being offered by somebody who knows. So, I mean, I you know, I just cheated and used the phone here a few minutes ago, but that's not the kind of reference materials I like to use. I like to use the books. So we were talking about the books before because there's been a lot of great books written that have a lot of great information in there and not just to answer trivia questions. I mean, you talked about the Van, Van Allen and Malice book. That's just fantastic reference sources and, uh, you know, many of the books that have been put out there. And so that's where, you know, when you have time on your hands and you can spend a little time reading that's you know what you need to do. You can pick up your education. We mentioned earlier that misinformation, there's plenty of that. If I'd have gone on the internet and relied solely on the internet, there's a good chance I'd have had some misinformation get in the way. But I mean, I love going to my library. I just wish I could, you know, get my stepson to move out so I can get back in there. But anyway, hey. <laughs> that being said, you know. Um, I, I think you need to um, place another uh, book order and get get more. There's so many great books out there. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm way behind on that. So <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, we thank you for joining us this episode this week. And we look forward to reconnecting in about a week from now. Until then. Happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. Coin World Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about Coin World Plus at coinworldplus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.